Uh, we're on a, a series called Fear, Having Faith in Uncertain Times. So I don't need to explain much, right? We live in a very, very frightening world where these things are happening. Okay? And because of that, because we live in such an uncertain time, we're always looking for certainty. Does that make sense? Right? Because we live in such an unstable, uncertain, you don't know what's going to happen, you're all, we're always looking for certainty somewhere in life. But at the same time, it seems like certainty is always like elusive. We always like grasp for it, but it's kind of like sand. You try to grasp for sand, but what happens? It kind of just like slips out. And so there's a person who said, we're always looking for certainty, but there's only one certainty in life. Do you know what that is? That you will not find certainty. That's the only thing that that person says uh, you will be certain of. Once again, we live in a very frightening world, and yet because of that, we're looking always for certainty. Do you guys like Costco? Yes. How many of you guys like Costco or Sam's Club? I, I absolutely, absolutely, I like it how like someone's a little, like Joshua says, I like it, and at least I like it too. I absolutely love Costco and Sam's Club because it gives me some kind of a semblance of certainty, right? Because as you guys know, Costco, Sam's Club, what do they let you do? You don't like something? Then what do you do? You just go return it. Nowadays, Amazon is doing this a lot more. Before, you had to like give some kind of reason to return it. But now, you just go, I don't like it anymore. And they, send, they, uh, gives you, they give you a free return as well. So because of that, again, we're always looking for certainty. Nowadays, as you guys know, a lot of younger people, which is a lot of you guys here, are not getting married. Okay? Why? Because marriage seems like you're committed to something, something you're not supposed to break. And so it's much easier not to commit. Why? Because what if I don't like this person? What if this person is not real? What if I cannot trust this person? So it's better to just not bind yourself permanently. It's better to just say, let's just date. Let's just keep just, you know, dating. Or let's live together, but let's not actually get married. Why? Because every single one of us, we want some kind of certainty. And we know that we live with, uh, we live in an uncertain world, and people are very, very uncertain as well. You don't know. You don't know what you're going to get. And so therefore, it's easier to just not get married altogether. Okay? So uncertainty actually rules quite a bit of everyday life and the things that we're doing in our day-to-day task as well. Okay? Today, we're going to talk about a person who, it seems like in the beginning, he has every reason to be certain. Okay? But we're going to see where this person, where he, he's going to come across a time in his life where things are going to shake like crazy, like crazy. And we're going to see where he places his certainty. And we're going to also see that he places it in the wrong thing. Okay? And I believe a lot of us actually do something very similar to what uh, Job does. So we're going to get into the book of Job. Uh, some of you guys already might know uh, Job, and some of you guys might not know Job very well. But Job, uh, this is what we know about him. Number one, we know that he's extremely, extremely rich. Okay? So this person is extremely rich, okay? But not only is he rich, 
just in position, he's also rich with his family as well. Uh, we read in the Bible that he has seven sons and three daughters. So he has a lot of family as well. Okay, let's keep going. Not only is he rich, but he also has fame and status as well. In the Bible, it actually says he was one of the greatest men uh, from the East. Okay, so he's well off financially. He has a family. But not only that, he has respect from other people as well. Sounds, sounds pretty good so far, yeah? On top of that, he's religious. Okay? Most people think you're either rich or you're either religious. No, Job actually, he's both. But on top of that, on top of that, I think this is for me like, wow, this guy is like perfect, is that he's clean, clean as a whistle. Okay? The Bible actually says he was blameless. Because you know how normally when we see like rich people uh, on TV or we, we know about rich people, we're like, but they probably did some shady things, right? They probably, they probably don't treat their like employees really well, you know, or they probably, you know, got money somewhere. They probably did something shady. They're probably corrupt in a certain way, but not this guy. Seems like every aspect of his life, he's doing great. And so again, just from this point of view, looking at his life, seems like, hey, that's pretty good. Money is good. Family is good. People think great things about you. Not only on top of that, you have integrity. You're not going to be like, oh, someone's going to come and get me or police is going to. No, he's, he's like, I'm good. Everything is all right. But we know that his life falls apart very, very, very fast. In the same day, what happens? Okay, He loses everything. All his property, all his investment, all his savings, Okay, all his farming stuff, he was a farmer, all his sheep, all his horses, cows, her, everything, either, okay, somebody comes and steals them from him, or a natural disaster happens and they die because of that in one day. Now, that's pretty bad. In one day, imagine, everything in your bank account, savings account. You know, nowadays, identity theft is a big thing. Okay, I, I recently heard of somebody, okay, all of a sudden, one day they look at the bank, all their savings, everything, disappear. Okay, so can you imagine, this is what Job is going through. But not only that, he loses all his employees. Again, the people who came to steal his herds, they killed all the servants, or they took them away as their own slaves. Okay, but it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. It gets worse. There's a natural disaster. There's a hurricane, and it strikes the house of one of their kids. But that day, they were having a party, and all the kids were in there. So the hurricane comes. Not only do, does, do they lose the house, all the kids all die as well. Again, talk about getting kicked while you're on the ground. Okay? Everything bad that can happen to him continues to happen. He also uh, develops some kind of boil, okay? And it's like pain all over his body. Imagine kind of getting like a mosquito bite all over your body, but worse because it hurts a lot more. And so it describes Job like getting a clay pot and just scratching and just being in this miserable situation. Literally, he has lost everything and now he has lost his health. And on top of that, his wife turns on him as well. He just says, this is the worst life ever. He just curse God and just die. 
Okay, literally, everything, everything around him, including his support, the people that he loves the most, everything is gone. Okay? And now, we're going to go into the next section where we're going to look at this verse, and most of us, most of us, I think, most human beings are going to say, what? How can you say that? This is what he says. Oh, by the way, this is a picture of him. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head. Uh, that's just ancient way of uh, showing your grief. Okay? Nowadays, we just like put it on Instagram, and that's like how we show our grief. But back then, this is how they used to do it. Okay? Then he fell, off the, he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord has given me all of these things. And the Lord has taken them away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Okay, so where's Job's certainty? Okay, he's saying, all of these things, I didn't have certainty in them anyways. My certainty is that, what? God is in control of everything. God gave me all these things, and God wants to take all of these things away. That's fine with me. I'm still going to praise God. Okay? But is it possible? And most, most Christians, they look at this and they say, I, I can't do that, but I need to be like Job. I need to realize, if God gives me all these bad things, I need to accept it. If God gives me good things, I thank you. If God takes away these good things, God, thank you. That's the type of mentality that I need to have. So whatever happens in life, it's God. Now I just need to thank God. Whatever comes my way. Uh, that's how most Christians would handle these kind of Bible verses. And they say, I need to be like, more like Job. I need to trust in God like Job. But is it possible that Job is actually wrong? Okay? Is it possible that Job actually has his certainty in a wrong place? Okay? That's what I'm, we're going get to into, get into. Okay? We're going we're gonna to keep reading on. Okay? His friends come. Three of his friends. And they're really good friends because the first thing they do when they come, they don't say, you know why these things happen to you. You know, it's because God has a plan for you. He doesn't say any, they don't say anything. They actually just sit down with him and just cry with him. And just stay with him and stay silent for seven days. And I think that's, a, that's one of the wisest things that they did. And that's something that we need to also learn to do as well. Because sometimes when bad things happen, what do we do? We blabber. We think we're going to try to make them feel better. And I think it's out of good spirit sometimes. Sometimes I think we just need to sit down, cry with them to understand. Not just go, I don't understand why this is happening either. But what happens? What happens is that Job opens his mouth. And you guys understand this too. When you are going through a tremendous amount of suffering, you go, if you can't blame God, because he's not blaming God, what does he do? He blames life itself. He goes, Life is horrible. I wish I wasn't born at all. And this is what Job does. He has existential questions about life. What's the purpose? What's the meaning of this horrible life that I'm living? And this is what he says. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He said, may the day of my birth be perish. And the night that said a boy is conceived, that day may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine on it. So he's basically saying, I wish I wasn't born at all. 
Some of you guys have felt that way before, right? Because of suffering, because of difficulty. Again, the Bible is very, very accurate in showing humanity. So these three friends, they did something very wise in the beginning. But when Job starts talking, uh, they can't help it. So they started to come out and say, Job, Job, you can't say that. You must surely know that these bad things happen to you. Okay, God cursed you. God is punishing you. Why? Because of your sin. And again, some of you guys have may felt that way as well. You feel like things don't work out very well with your boyfriend or girlfriend or in your relationship or finances or work or family. You go, God is cursing me. God is doing this to me. And this is what the, the, the friends are saying. Okay? From chapter 3 to chapter 37, it's just the dialogue going back and forth between Job and his friends. Job's friends say, you're suffering. All these bad things happen. Why? Because you have sinned against God. And Job says, no, I have done nothing wrong. I have done absolutely nothing wrong. I'm innocent. I'm an innocent sufferer. I haven't done anything wrong. And so it just goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth for 30 odd chapters. Okay? Now, what's the premise between both Job and his friends? What's the premise? Because there's a premise, there's something underneath what they're arguing about. This is the premise. Okay? Job's friend, you're suffering because you have sin. Job says, I have not sinned, I have innocent. The premise is, suffering comes from God because of your sin. That's the premise. Suffering comes because of your sin. And it's from God. When bad things happen, it's from God. That's the premise. But once again, what if the premise itself is totally wrong? Okay, what if Job is wrong? And what if his friends are all wrong? all together. Okay? And we're going to actually see that all of them are wrong. The argument itself is mute. Why? Because they're starting from a false premise of what's going on in the world. Okay, what actually is going on? We see in Job chapter 1, so now we get the scene changes into heaven. And in heaven, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. So right away we see that Job's friends are wrong. Why? God himself says what? Job is blameless and upright. So is Job suffering because of his sin? No. Okay? But they don't see that. The friends are down there and they're saying, oh, you messed up. No, I didn't mess up. You messed up. I didn't mess up. That's what they're arguing about. But it has nothing to do with Job's goodness or badness. Does that make sense? It has nothing to do with that. But in their mind, that's all they see. Oh, this is what God's doing. Oh, this is not what God's doing. You see? Their certainty is in people's morality, people's ethics. You suffer based on whether you're good or not. Do you understand that? It's not certainty in God. It's certainty in their ethics and morality. Okay, so we know that it has nothing to do with Job's ethics. Okay, let's keep going. Does God fear jo uh, does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? 
You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spreading throughout the land. Let's keep going. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything that he has is where? In your power. So he doesn't say, okay, fine, I will do these bad things. But instead he says what? No, you, I allow you to do bad things to him. But on the man himself, do not lay a hand. So basically, don't kill him though. And then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And then right after this, all the negative things happen. All the bad things, all the suffering happen. Now, the important thing to understand here is it's not God who did these things to Job. But Job and his friends, what did they say? They said, these things, God is doing them. Okay, his friend said, God is cursing you. Job says, God has given me these things and God has taken away these things. But Job is wrong because it's actually not God who is actually doing these things. Now, quick things here. Two quick things before we go on. Okay, I don't have enough time to explain everything and what's going on between the interaction within God and Satan. I'm, I apologize. That's another series. If you want to learn more, Come talk to me. I actually have a video series that I can give to you and you could actually go in a lot more in depth. Okay? But I can't, I can't go into it right now. Okay? Because that's a different sermon. But two things just to really, really see. The first thing we have to understand is that, again, okay, we, just because um, we, we still have, a, we still have a, a big question here. Why does God allow it? Okay? Again, we, I understand that. Okay, but right now, I can't focus on that. But just letting you know, I do have videos on it. Or if you want to come talk to me, I could talk to you. But it's, it's going to be a long discussion. Okay? But, so we still have a problem. Why does God allow it? But the important point I want you to take away just for today is that it's actually not God who's doing it, but it's Satan doing it. But yes, God does allow it. Okay? And that's still a big question. Why does God allow pain and suffering? But the second question equally, uh, we have to under, or second thing we have to understand is, this is just the case for Job. I'm not saying all bad things, it's Satan. Okay, because there are cases in the Bible where actually God inflicts suffering onto us. And there's cases in the Bible where it's your own sin that harms you. You made bad decisions for yourself, and because of that, you have to suffer accordingly to your choices. Okay, so again, those, is just, those are just two things just to, I'm not saying all bad things, okay, are from Satan either. Okay, very important thing. Okay, so those are just side things. But once again, we see that their whole premise was wrong. It had nothing to do with whether Job was a good person or not. And it had absolutely nothing to do with God actually inflicting suffering. It was actually Satan. At least in Job's case, it was actually Satan who was doing it. But again, again, but why is it that Job and his friends, they believe that? It's to go back. It's because of we're always searching for certainty. We're always searching for certainty. And a lot of us, I believe, whether you're a Christian or not, I think a lot of us do this. A lot of us go, when good things happen, it's because I'm a good person. When bad things happen, it's because I'm a bad person. And sometimes that could be the case. I'm not saying that's not totally impossible. If I'm to say every single scenario is like that, okay, that's a false idea. A 
But secondly, I think that's very, very dangerous. But secondly, I think this is really, really dangerous, is to say good things and bad things. Basically, every single scenario that I see in this world, it's God. So if something good doesn't happen in my life, then what does, what does that mean for God? God is not a good God. And so they say things like, how can there be a good God when there is suffering? But the presupposition is, God is the one who's doing the suffering. Does that make sense? Yes, if God is doing all the suffering, I don't think he's a good God either. But throughout the Bible, we see that bad things happen to people despite God wanting those bad things to happen. So again, we are looking for certainty. I understand that. It, it's to be human is to look for certainty because we live in a very uncertain world. We want security. That in itself is not a bad thing. But again, it's because we're looking for it in the wrong places. We're looking at it from our situation, from our own ethics. And because of that, if your life is good, God is good. Life is not good, God is bad. And so it's just going up and down, up and down, up and down. Job, if you guys remember, he was like, I'm certain. God is good. But most people don't actually read throughout the book of Job because after that, it gets really crazy. It gets, it gets very poetic, and they're just going back and forth, back and forth. And so, ah, oh, I'm going to just skip all of this. But people don't understand that Job, even though it seemed like, wow, he's such a faithful person, he must love God. As he's talking, we actually see that he becomes very, very sour. Not only with his life, but he actually starts attacking God as well. Do you guys know that? So it's not as simple as God gave me all these things and God took it away and everything's all right, la, la, la. No, he doesn't do that. Only in the beginning. But as he is within suffering, he's like, wait a minute. I'm innocent. And God's doing all these things to me. Even though I'm, I'm innocent. So therefore, who's the bad person then? God is. And this is what a lot of Christians do. Okay? A lot of people, whenever I go to the hospital, they go, I don't understand why God is doing all these things to me. I'm suffering. I can't handle this. I don't know why God is giving me all of this. God is a horrible God, therefore. So here's an example of um, uh, Job uh, getting back at God. Surely, God, you have worn me out. You have devastated my entire household. You have shriveled me up. And he has become a witness. My godless rises up and testify against me. God assails me and tears me in his anger and gnashes his teeth at me. My, op my opponent fastened on me his piercing eyes. So how, do, how does he see God now? Does he see God as this like wonderful God who gives and takes away... And he's a wonderful God. No. He sees God as this horrible monster who's out to get him, who's out to tear him apart. And he sees God actually as an enemy. Why? Again, in his mind, God is the one who did this. In my mind, good people don't suffer. But I'm suffering. But God gave me these things. So therefore, the logical, only the logical conclusion is God is a terrible God. Again, this is what a lot of us do. Our certainty, it's because our certainty is in the wrong place. Okay? 
So again, when you say things like, well, I have two choices, and if this works out, that's God's will. Again, your certainty is in the wrong thing. You're looking at situation and saying, everything that happens in life, God controls it. It's God. And so therefore, good things happen, God is good. If bad things happen, God is not good. Okay, and that's not biblical. So, now we need to get to the more important question. Because some of you guys at this point might feel really, really uneasy right now. Because you go, okay, that's where my certainty was. That's what I thought it was. Okay? But if I cannot hold myself steady in that certainty, now you're like, okay, I'm shaking now. I'm shaking. Where do I place my certainty? Where do I, where do, what do I trust in then? Because a lot of people, including myself and a lot of you guys in here, again, we did that. The reason why we go, oh, God must be doing this. Oh, God must be doing this. We, we, Think of all of these things, it's because we want to be steady. We want to know that everything has a purpose. Okay? That God has all these intricate plans, and because of that, like, ta-da! At the end, God's going to come out and say, ah, I had everything planned. And we like that because it makes us feel, again, it gives us a sense of certainty. Okay? But I believe, again, that's wrong certainty. What do we, where do we need to actually have certainty instead? Okay, not in situations. Because things that happen in this world, we don't know. Some of it, it is God. Some of it, it's Satan. Some of it, it's our own sins. Some of it, it's each other. I don't know why things happen. I don't know. We'll never know, maybe. Unless God, of course, reveals it to us. But that's, that's why we cannot place our certainty there. But instead, where do we actually need to have place our certainty? It's God's character. It's always, always, always God's character. So, now you might ask, how do I know if God is good or not? How, do I, how, how can I even trust God? Okay, good things haven't happened in my life. How is that a good God? You look at Job, and you go, wow, he's an innocent person who's actually suffering. But you see another person later on, a greater Job, we say. There's another innocent sufferer. Do you guys know who he is? His name is Jesus. He literally has done absolutely, absolutely nothing wrong. But we see Jesus utterly, utterly uh, suffering. Okay? He's the ultimate innocent sufferer. And the Bible tells us, why is he on the cross? Why is he hanging dead? It's because he is dying for us instead. Okay? He's saying, you deserve punishment, you deserve the negative consequences for your actions. But instead of you taking it, I will take those things instead. So, you might say, but God is a controlling God. Well, why is a controlling God dying for you? Oh, God is not a good God. He doesn't care about me. Well, then why does a God who doesn't care about you sees all your negative negativity and all your flaws, but still come down on earth to die for you and to come and search for you. Why does God do that? You see, the cross, once and for all, vindicates his character. Okay, there's a lot of situations where we don't understand. And there's certain things that God does in the Bible, I don't understand. But one thing I do understand is a God who is controlling, a God who doesn't care about me, would definitely not die on the cross for me. 
unless he's like literally a crazy God. Okay? So there's only one option, or there's only two options. He did either a crazy God, or he's actually who he says he is. Despite the craziness of life, despite not knowing why does God allow Satan, all of these things, we, don't, we might not, never understand it 100%. But one thing we do know is God is not up there like laughing at us or playing games. Yet, he says, you know what? I will suffer as well. But not only will I suffer, but I will suffer for you. So that you don't have to ultimately suffer. That there's still hope at the end. There's something good that could still come out of your sin and your faults. And that's where we need to place our certainty. In God's character. Nothing else, everything else will turn sour. Everything else in life, you'll get blown away. But God's character, that's what will keep us steady in this very, very uncertain world. To know that God is a very, very good God. Let me share one story and then I'll finish. There was a, there's a story um, uh, of a boy uh, in uh, medieval days. Okay, And then he, uh, in the book, he absolutely, in the beginning of the book, it shows his utter hatred towards the king. And as the book goes on, it, it gives us a glimpse into why the boy hates the king so much. Okay? It's because, in the novel, it talks about how the king actually dragged the boy away and separated him from his parents. And the last time he saw his parents was that time. After that, he never saw them again. And soon afterward, he heard that they actually have died. So, as you can imagine, he absolutely hates this king. And all his life growing up, he's thinking one thing, which is, I will take my vengeance against this king. I live for hatred. I hate this king who took me away from his parents. As the story develops, he gets a chance to um, actually go into the king's room and see his diary. And he's flipping through the diary, and he sees the day, that day, that he took the kid away. Sorry. He took the kid away. Uh, he actually has a diary entry. And he reads it. And it says on the top, okay, the plague. Okay? And then it actually says, this plague that is controlling our kingdom, devastating our kingdom, not only is it devastating the people and killing the people who have it, but he realized it's also contagious. So he says in there, it rips my heart that I have to separate people. So the son, the, 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 the little boy, he sees that the king actually not destroyed his parents and took him away from his parents. But what did the king do? The king actually saved his life. The parents, they had the plague. And so because of that, he was trying to separate but again, the young kid, he could not understand that. Okay? That totally changes how you see the king, doesn't it? Because if he just saw what's happening, what the king is doing, and you might go, oh, the king is a terrible god, or a terrible king. But he sees what's going on, why he allows certain things to happen. Okay, that totally changes our character, our view of the king. And same thing with God as well. Again, 
There's a lot of things in the Bible. There's a lot of things in this world I do not understand. But one thing I know for certain is the cross. One thing I know for certain, he died not for me, not only for me, but for every single one of us. And because of that, he is a good God. And that kind of God I can trust and give my life to. And that's the type of God that wants to give you the same certainty in this very, very uncertain world. Let's go into a time of reflection.